Morning, Victory. Hey guys, real quick, let's give it up to Victory Hamilton Mill, who's joining us today. We got the whole family, Victory Midtown, Victory North Cobb, as well as everybody who's online, both local and global. What is up, everybody? Hey, um, if you are wondering what it looks like to discover your purpose, to begin growing in your gifts, to begin walking in your calling, you were in the right place today because we kicked this off last week and now we're in the second week of what I would just call our journey into living life on purpose. Come on, of purpose, on purpose. Uh, Pastor Miles Monroe, he said this, he said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. Come on, it is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. So what we're doing over these few weeks, we're talking about how do we discover, come on, this, this true north purpose on our lives. I mean, you know, that is possible. If you were here last week, you know it's possible, but most of the world doesn't know it's possible to actually start walking in one direction. That's what we're endeavoring to do. How do we discover the true north purpose of God on our lives and begin going there? Why? Because I believe that you were made for something great. You might not believe that, you might have had people tell you that that's not true, but I believe that for you, and you're in a place today that believes that, that God himself put unique gifts and talents and abilities on the inside of you that are screaming to get out. And what we wanna do here, okay, so we've been saying that for a little while, but what we wanna do here is move from that big macro, come on, this we were made for something great and we all have gifts and talents and abilities. We wanna move from the big macro down to the micro of what are my gifts and talents and abilities that God put inside me and how do I use those things for the glory of God? That's what we're endeavoring to do. Finally, to move down into the singular, the personal level and say, how do I do that? And so here's the deal. If you're asking, what's my purpose? You're in the right place because that's what we dove into last week. And if you remember the purpose of something is why it exists. What was that thing made to do? And very simply, we can boil all of our purpose down to this one place. What's our purpose? My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Come on, God's people say amen to that one. My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Don't overcomplicate it, guys. A lot of people get freaked out about this. They have paralysis by analysis. They never go anywhere with their life because they're afraid they're going to mess something up. No, your purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known. Come on, to glorify him, to enjoy him wherever you are in life. And here, here's, here's, the, here's my promise to you guys. There is no better life to live, no better a life of significance to live than to put the weight of your life into the glory of God. That's where significance comes from. That's where purpose comes from. And that's where joy is found, is pointing my life into the purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. And now the question is this, how am I specifically supposed to do that? And now that's your calling. This is what we talked about last week. What's my calling? My calling is to use my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my personal things that God put inside me, wherever God places me, from work to church to relationships, to glorify God 
and to enjoy him forever. Your calling is how you specifically glorify God and enjoy him forever. And here's the idea, guys. God may call you to different places in different seasons, but it's all about walking in the same purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So in one season, he may call some of you to be a stay-at-home mom. In other seasons, he may call you to be an artist. He may gift you to be a musician. He may place you in a place of government. You may work a nine to five and lead a small group on the side. You may serve, you may sing, whatever that is. The whole idea is that it's all pointed in the same direction. Come on, you may be happily employed, unhappily employed, or unhappily unemployed, (laughs) or happily unemployed as a retired person, whatever you are, wherever you are, come on, whether your nine to five feels like it has purpose or not, it's all about the same thing. Glorifying God and enjoying him forever. The calling may change, but the purpose remains the same. Therefore, your purpose is less of like a destination than it is a direction. I want to keep walking in this direction because God will take me to different, different callings and different purposes. I mean, different callings and different places and different expressions and different seasons, but it's all the same purpose. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. Okay. Here's what we're really endeavoring to do over these few weeks is we're going to begin walking together, together in the same true North direction of glorifying God and enjoying him. And along the way, God's going to begin revealing some of your gifts, some of the things that he placed uniquely on the inside of you that make you you. And then we're going to start gaining momentum in that direction so that then we can begin running in the calling of God in the season of our life. Everybody say run. run. Come on, Hamilton Mill, Midtown, North Cobb, say it. Run. Okay, I, I wasn't talking to you guys, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Hey, run. Okay, so the, the, here, here's the thought, okay? As, as I was thinking about this weekend, as I was praying about this weekend, that's the word that I kept coming up against, run. Everybody said, one more time, run. And this was the prayer that I find myself praying for us. God, victory will be a people who run in purpose. Victory will be a people who run in the calling of God on our life. We will Run. One more time. Say it with me. Run. But here's what we know. Okay. Here's what we know. In this journey of running and our calling, running and purpose, there are hurdles. Anybody found that out before? There are obstacles. There are competing paths in this, this endeavor to live a life on purpose. And, and here's the thought, guys. God, God may call you to give up a cushy job. God may call you to step out of the boat and lead something. God may call you to start giving generously. God may call you to serve. Or God may call you to stay in exactly the place you are, even though you hate it. And here's really the question we have to answer. Will I run in God's purpose or will I limp in my own? Will I run in God's purpose or will I limp in my own? Come on, think about it. Anybody you've ever seen who lived in their calling, Anybody in the Bible that you've ever read about who actually did what God called them to do? Any movie you've ever watched about somebody who fulfilled what they were supposed to do in life, they had to overcome some stuff to get there, right? But think about this, guys. The reason why most people, listen, you may be pointed in the direction of purpose, but you never get very deep into purpose. How many of you know there's there's depths that you can get into in your purpose? Where I am today is not where I was 20 years ago, all right? 
the reason why most people never get very deep into their purpose is because they are unwilling to do what it takes to do to overcome the obstacles that stand in their way of living a life of purpose. And that is what takes us to the scriptures today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to land in 1 Kings today. And it's here in 1 Kings that we, what I would say, we receive the recipe for how to run in God's purpose. And if you know your Old Testament very much, uh, the book of 1 Kings is full of wicked king after wicked king after wicked king as the nation begins to fall apart um, at the seams. And it's here in 1 Kings chapter 16 that we actually meet one of the worst kings of them all, King Ahab. Woo! Not like pirate Ahab. Wasn't he a pirate? No, before he was a pirate, he was a king. Okay. 1 Kings 16 verse 29. In the 39th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. That's a long time for a wicked king to be in place. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Wow, that was a high bar. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. If you don't know Jeroboam, Jeroboam was the one who put two golden calves in Israel and said, this is actually what set you free from Egypt. And Ahab considered that trivial. He's like, I can do much worse than that. So he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. They took it up to the next level. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. Wow. Ahab was a bad dude. In fact, uh, Ahab thought he would, he would take it up another level, and so he married Jezebel. And if you've ever heard of a marriage made in heaven, this is a marriage made in hell. All right, Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbel. Who's Ethbel? Well, Ethbel means with Baal. Who's Baal? The devil. Guys, it, I'm, I'm sorry, but if, you're, if your dad's name is with Satan, you're probably not a good girl. And so Ahab marries Jezebel, and together they wrecked the nation. All right, so they brought Baal worship into the country, all right? Now, if you don't know Baal worship, Baal worship was, was uh, uh, categorized by two things, um, human sacrifice and orgies. So the way you worship Baal was in those two ways. And so listen, listen very closely, listen very closely. What began to get ingrained into the culture was that it's okay to give up your children for a better life and to engage in any form of sexual morality that you pleased. These people didn't look to God for how to live. Come on, the Israelites actually looked to their government for how to live. And their government said, it's okay to give up your children for a better life and to engage in any sort of sexual morality that you like. And that is what we call the spirit of Jezebel that's still active in the world today through abortion and sexual morality. Still around. It, same spirit, different day. 
And so what happens is God's people begin to be polluted because they're listening to the government instead of to God. And so God sends a prophet, Elijah, to go and show them who the real God is. And so he confronts the wicked King Ahab. And here it is in chapter 18. Just fast forward two chapters later. I love this. This is when they finally meet King Ahab and Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I love Elijah. He said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. Can you imagine talking to the president like that? Woo, come on, Elijah. This isn't a political message, by the way. This is just... This is God's people against the wicked world that we find ourselves in. You, Elijah says, you have abandoned the Lord's commands and you followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. He calls a, a showdown between God and Baal. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before all the people, all the whole nation was there on the mountaintop. And Elijah says this, how long will you waver? Everybody say waver. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Say it louder for the people in the back, Elijah. Come on. If Jesus is God, serve him. But if the devil's God, serve him. If you're God, serve you. Come on. If the government's God, serve the government. Come on. If your spouse is God, serve them. If your kids are God, serve them. Just make up your mind. Choose, choose, choose. But the people said nothing. For me personally, that may be the saddest verse in the entire Bible. Because the people had arrived at this point. Listen, this isn't the world. This is God's people. God's people had arrived at this place that they didn't know what they wanted. In fact, here's the little hint. I was kind of thinking about this this morning. You know when you know what you want to say, but you know you're not supposed to say it, so you just don't say anything? I think that's what's going on. I think what they actually want is they want to be like, actually, I like the whole, like, orgy thing. But I know I'm not supposed to say that, so I'm just not going to say anything, right? Because these people are stuck in the middle, And this is where we begin to learn what it looks like to live a life running in God's purpose. Here's the first thing we have to do to run in God's purpose. I have to stop limping. If I'm ever going to start running, I have to stop limping. Come on, let's say it together. If I'm ever going to start running... That makes sense, right? If I'm ever going to start running, I have to stop limping. Here's here's what Elijah does. Elijah cries out, how long will you waver between two opinions? That word waver right there in the Hebrew literally means limp. Limp. It means to go limping. Here, uh, the, the NASB translation says hesitate. The message, as in the message always does, it's a paraphrase. It says sit on the fence. The ESV says, go limping, waver, sit on the fence, hesitate, go limping. And this is what syncretism does. 
Syncretism is trying to worship two things at the same time, right? How many of you know you can't go two directions at the same time? You, you literally, it's literally impossible to go two, down two paths at the same time. And here's the deal. If you're following a compass, it's going to take you in one direction. It's not going to take you in multiple directions. And here's the deal. If you try and go in multiple directions at the same time, you'll be paralyzed. You'll just be limping. And I hear God asking this. I hear God calling out today. How long will you limp? How long will you limp? Because I've called you to run. Come on, can you hear the voice of the Lord today? Asking you this question. How long will you limp? What does it look like to limp? It's when you know that you want to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But you're limping because you just can't seem to stop having sex outside marriage. And you refuse to get accountability for your porn habit. So you're limping. It's when God called you to write the book, but you're hesitating because you don't know if anybody will read it. It's when God called you to start the business, but you're sitting on the fence because you don't know if it'll be successful or not. It's when God started calling you to give at a higher level to the house of God than you ever have before, but, but you're hesitant to do it because that would mean that you'd have to give up your stuff. And you, we don't even realize that that gift of giving is actually what God wants to give you to be a blessing, not just to the house of God, but to the world. God wants to increase. And if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. It's when God calls you to begin serving. Come on, but you're wavering because you really don't want to give up your time. And you think you're a little bit better than that anyways. And you don't realize that that, that's, that step of serving is actually going to be what God uses to unlock the next season of calling in your life. God calls you to begin being more bold about Jesus, speaking up about Jesus in your workplace but you're limping because you're afraid that it might tarnish your reputation. Come on, God's calling you to get healed from all the traumas and the hurts and the wounds and the offenses, but you're kind of sitting on the fence because you've been offended for so long. You don't know what it looks like to not be offended because every night when you go to bed, you're like, oh, how they wounded me, how they hurt me. I just play, I'm, I'm so rationalized to never go to church again because those people hurt me. Maybe God called you to step out of your job, to go do something that doesn't even make sense, but you're sitting on the fence because I'm too old, because it doesn't make sense. Maybe it won't work. Listen, here's a quote. I found this totally secular dude, uh, uh, Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank. He says, a salary is the drug they give you to forget your dreams. Listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking a nine to five unless God's calling you out of a nine to five. Because it's much safer to let somebody else take all the risk and just put in your 40 nice safe hours and get a nice safe, safe paycheck. When God's calling you to step out into the unknown. Or maybe you just know that God is calling you to something more 
but you're limping in that direction because you're doubting yourself. Listen, that is my life. If we're gonna get vulnerable for a second, that is my life. Listen, if you think you have imposter syndrome, just walk in my shoes for a second. Every step, listen, the reason why I didn't wanna get in leadership to begin with, like way back in the day, is because I was afraid to acknowledge that there might be a call on my life. Because what if, I, what if I step out into that place and then I'm terrible at it? Well, that means one, there's embarrassment. I didn't hear God. Now I gotta go back and start over again. It's just much safer to stay exactly right where I am. But guys, here's what I've discovered. Listen, at some point, you just have to acknowledge that if God is calling you to do it, he's gonna make a way for you to do it. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> a few years ago, when I first started my master's program, I got all these pastors, like all these megachurch pastors who are like way accomplished guys, like guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s at that time, right? And, and they're going around the room and I'm, I'm like the, the new guy, I wasn't even senior pastor yet. And I remember this, they, um, we had to talk about our church and stuff. And, um, and so I talked about, hey, I'm about to step in here and, and take the reins. And they're asking about the church. I'm like, well, really cool thing. Victory is a church of 142 nations. And um, a, a pastor, John Jenkins, up in DC, amazing man, black, black pastor, wealthiest black zip code in America, biggest church in Maryland, um, president of the National Association of Evangelicals, John Jenkins, looks at me and he says, hey, why are you gonna be the pastor of a church full of people who don't look like you? And I was like, well, sir, I, uh, no. <laughs> I was like, well, I, uh, well, I've been there a long time and I got the heart and you know, the pastor believes in me and you know, I'm all about the vision and I've done this and I've done that. And he said, no, 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 no. You wanna know why you're gonna be the pastor of that church? Because God called you to do it. And I was like, well, that's a lot better answer than what I had. <laughs> that doesn't negate all the stuff I was saying. But listen, if God's calling you to do it, he'll make a way for you to do it. We gotta learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And guys, here's the deal. We're limping because there's a tug of war in our soul, right? We're called that way but we really wanna go this way because this way is safe. Listen, even though this way isn't a life of purpose, even though this way, God's not even there, but we know this way, it's safe. We got our feet up underneath us. We're not getting rejected too much. There's not a whole lot of risk when you're on the shore, but when you step out into the water, it's not safe out there, guys. But God did not call you to limp. God called you to run. And it's time to stop wavering between two opinions. If God is God, do what he called you to do. If you're God, keep listening to yourself. But you're not. So let's continue the story. Verse 22. All the people there stopped wavering. They said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, which by the way, wasn't true. 
There are actually hundreds left, but how many of you know sometimes when you're taking a risk, you feel like you're the only one who's doing it? I got good news for you guys. There's hundreds more that God is calling to take these steps at the same time. But Baal has 450 prophets. Therefore, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call in the name of your God and I will call in the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Now here's, here's why I love Elijah, okay? Um, the animal that represented Baal was the bull. So what Elijah's actually saying, he's like, all right, guys, here, here, here's the deal, okay? You guys cut your God to pieces and try and burn him. And I will cut your God to pieces and burn him. And then the God who answers by fire, he's the one who's really God. And, and here's, here's the thought for us, guys. Um, if your God can be cut to pieces, he's not God. And then all the people say, what you say is good. Finally, after all this time, the people speak up. Finally, we get to hear from them, and here's what they're really saying. Yes, we should probably serve the fire God. Whichever God, boom, comes down in fire, that's probably the one that we should serve. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you, and call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. By the way, whenever somebody says there's no sarcasm in the Bible, I bring them here. <laughs> shout louder <laughs> surely he's a god perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling another translation says maybe he's relieving himself <laughs> so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears and as, as was their custom until their blood flowed, midday passed and they continued, this is like all day, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for this evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered and no one paid attention. Listen, this is the reality of our world today. Everybody is crying out to the gods of this world, answer us satisfy us, come down in fire, be real, be true. But the gods of this world aren't saying anything because the gods of this world will never answer you and they'll never fulfill you. And guys, let me say this to everybody who's, who's checking the church box and playing games with God and just trying to be a good person while everybody else is watching, but you have no intention of actually pointing your heart at the living God. Let me ask you this question. When did the gods of this world ever satisfy you? When did you ever drink deep from sin and say, yeah, that's actually what I was looking for? Yeah, it's, it feels good for five minutes. And then it leaves you more empty than the moment it found you, bound and addicted and depressed. Because any path outside of God's path will always leave you limping, will always leave you limping and wounded. And what happens is Elijah takes the, go, the, the bull next, 
digs the trench, covers it with water three times. Why? Because there's going to be no mistaking who sets this fire. And then he prays. Verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Yes. (laughs) Now they believe. The Lord is God. The Lord showed up. And they fall down and they proclaim the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How are we going to run in purpose? Here's the second thing. I have to turn my heart back to God. I have to allow God to turn my heart back to him. Listen, the, the, the people's hearts were stuck in this limbo, this, the middle of the tug of war. Which direction am I going to go? How many of you ever watched the Pirates of the Caribbean? It's like Jack Sparrow's compass, right? Right? Here's, here's what I know. Our feet will go wherever our heart is pointed. And in the movie, Jack Sparrow, his compass always pointed at the direction of the thing that he wanted most. And so he knew which way to go. But here's the deal. When he didn't know what he wanted, it just spun around and around and around and around and around and around. How many of you look at your life and you're like, you go limping, you're not getting anywhere. You're just wavering between two opinions. And here's the deal, guys. We have to allow the Lord to turn our hearts back to him if we're ever gonna live a life of purpose. As long as my heart is pointed at anything besides Jesus, my life is gonna be a mess. If you look at your life and you got divorce here and the kids doing this thing over there and all the mess over here and the addictions over here, it's because you're wavering between two opinions. And it's time to allow the Lord to call your heart to be fully his. And if we're ever going to run in the purpose of God on our life, we have to point our hearts at the right thing, at Jesus Christ. Because if I'm trying to have the ways of the world and the ways of God, I will run around in circles all my life. But God did not call you to limp. God called you to run. That's why Romans 12 says this. We read it many times before, but now hear it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Guys, don't claim a promise that isn't true in your life if you aren't doing the if then. The way that you're gonna know what God's will is is when you respond to the wooing of the Lord. 
to turn your heart away from worthless idols back towards him. And in the response to that, he will send the burning fire of heaven down to consume all the sin and all the mess and it'll wipe away the confusion to the point that you'll be able to actually see what the will of God is. But it only comes by turning your heart back true north. We have to stop limping. We have to turn our hearts back to God. Now let's finish the story. After the fire came down on the mountaintop and the people's hearts turned back to God, verse 40. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. It's 850 people. That's what we call going Old Testament on somebody. To run in God's purpose. Here's the last thing. I have to deal radically with sin. Radically with sin. Radically with sin. Sin is not your friend. Come on, sin is not your pet. It's not this innocent little thing that you do and nobody's watching, therefore nobody gets hurt. Listen, I've said it before. You may be playing patty cake with sin, but it's playing Russian roulette with you. It wants your life, it wants your marriage, it wants your kids, it wants your purpose, it wants your calling, it wants your past, it wants your present, it wants your future, it wants your soul. And you're just like, oh, it feels nice. It wants to consume you. Listen, this is why Jesus says to get so radical with sin that you'd be willing to gouge out your eye and cut off your hand, right? I mean, obviously he doesn't mean literally because it's, it's possible to be a blind guy without hands and still sin, right? <laughs> but he's saying, you gotta get radical with it. Are you willing to get radical with it? I'm, am I willing to stop being friends with what sent Jesus to the cross? You know, even John, John in 1 John, who writes so much, God is love, God is love, God is love. Literally, the last words of 1 John are this. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. That, that, that in the Greek is actually stay away from idols. What is an idol? An idol is anything that would try and take God's place in your heart. It's not a little statue. It could be, I guess, but it's not in our context. It's usually not a little statue. Could be a person, could be an emotion, could be a safe place. You know, it, it, that word bail literally means husband. And, and the idea was you run to this idol like it's your husband, like it's your caretaker. It's the thing that keeps you safe. It's the thing that keeps you rooted. It's the thing that makes you just feel warm. Like I never have to risk anything. And I believe that God today is asking, who's your husband? Who's the one who keeps you safe? Are you the one who keeps you safe? Or am I the one who keeps you safe? And we have to be willing to be radical with any false husbands, idols, emotions in our life. So deal with it. 
Deal with it. Deal with the pride that we keep you from serving because you're too good. <laughs> deal, deal, with, deal with the calendar that keeps you so busy that you can't do what God's calling you to do. Deal with the fear that's keeping you on the safety of the shore instead of stepping out into the unknown where God actually is. Deal with the insecurity. It says, I'm not good enough. I know I sense this call to step out over there, but what, I mean, come on, who am I? Who am I? It's this false sense of, of, of insecurity. And what it really is, is pride Say, no, I get to call the shots of my life. God, you don't. Deal with the greed that we keep you stingy and self-centered instead of being generous and growing. Deal with the control. This is, I call the shots. No, I'm not going to go do that. I'll do that when it makes sense. And guys, deal with the sin that keeps you limping instead of running. Get militant. Get militant. Why? Because I love this. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. Come on, Hamilton Mill, run. Midtown, come on, North Cobb, come on. Those of you in Nigeria, come on, run. We gotta run. With endurance, the, the race God has set before us. How do we do it? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up in doing good. Listen, Jesus pressed through every weight, every distraction, every persecution, every pain, every other obstacle, every hurdle, every competing path. Why? Because he had his eyes on the prize, because the joy set before him. Who is the joy set before him? You, we, us, the church, the family of God. He knew what lay on the other side of his journey. Listen, if God could just give you a snapshot of what lies on the other side of your obedience, you wouldn't even hesitate. But what we got to do is just start walking in that direction, discover our gifts, begin gaining momentum to the point that we can run. Run, stop limping, stop sitting on the fence, stop wavering between two opinions. It's time to run. Because everybody wants God to do something through them. But I love how Josh Howerton says it. He says, God will always do a great work in you before he does a great work through you. Come on, family. I believe that we have a Mount Carmel moment right now. And I believe this, that if you will allow him, if you will turn your heart to the living God, then he will burn up all the idols, all the sin, all the things that are causing you to limp, the addictions, the offense, he'll burn it up as he turns our hearts back to true north, back to his heart, and our feet go wherever our heart is pointed. If you let him, if you let him, the fire is waiting. If you let him, because it's time to stop limping, and it's time to start running. Let's bow our heads, guys. Let's pray. 
Father, here's what I acknowledge today. God, you have a high calling on us as a family. You have a high calling on us as families, individual families. God, you have a high calling on us as individuals. God, but here's what I confess. So many of us are limping. We're wavering. We're sitting on the fence. We're stumbling along. We're running in circles. When you've called us to run, when you've called us to let go of the safety of the shore, when you've called us to take small steps of obedience in this true north direction of purpose and to glorifying God and enjoying you forever. Here's what I know though, guys. Here's what I know. It's in a moment like this, the devil's really, really sneaky. He'll come in and he'll condemn. He'll say, there's so much water underneath the bridge. You've, you've let too much pass. God, God's already given up on you. I'm here to remind you today, guys. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, there's still purpose on your life. And there is something more powerful than sin. And it's the blood of Jesus. It's God's grace. It's God's love on your life. And listen, listen, listen. If you will allow your heart to be completely his, to begin walking in the direction of the glory of God, to have ears to hear as he leads you, (laughs) there is no greater life to live and no greater death to die than for the glory of Jesus Christ, the King of glory. And here's what we're committing to today. We're committing to turning away from all those obstacles, all the excuses, all the sin that so easily entangles us so we can run. Here's the deal. I'm going to call all of us to this today. But maybe there's some of you today in our campuses or online who say, I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to invite you into this prayer as well with a family who are going to commit to this together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, you are God in the flesh who died for my sin, all my brokenness, all my wounds, all my failures, all my rebellion was nailed to the cross and it died there. (laughs) So right now, I repent of all these dead things in my life, all these obstacles, all the competing paths, all the sin that so easily entangles. I turn from it and I turn to you. I say yes to Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. You are my savior. You have my past. You have my present. And now you have my future. All the days of my life, I wanna be pointed at the glory of God. I want to enjoy you forever. Today you're my father, and I'm your child forevermore. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's stay right here in this place, okay, guys? Let's stay right here in this place. Here's what I want to do. I want to give us just a few minutes right here because this is so important. Don't check out. Don't, don't click off if you're online. This, is, this may be the most important part because this is where it gets personal. 
Listen, there are some specific things that have names that are causing us to limp, that are causing us to waver and sit on the fence and we're following those paths. Maybe it be, maybe name comfort, maybe it may be named fear, insecurity, pride, greed, calendars, whatever it is, sin, idolatry, people, job, uh, 401k, whatever it is. And I believe that this is the moment. This is our Mount Carmel moment. Come on, guys. Allow your faith to get stirred up for this moment. This is our Mount Carmel moment right here. That the call of God has been on your life to start running. But we've had this tug of war, this thing back here that keeps us from gaining any momentum. And today's the day, if you allow him for the fire of God to come in and burn up all of that mess. So here's the invitation. Listen, if you feel like God has been calling me to do this, whatever that is, this is between you and the Lord. If God is calling me to do this, God has been calling me to make him my number one, but I just haven't done it yet. God's been calling me to do this or this or this or this or this. This is the moment. Let's just all do this. Let's stand up to our feet. Come on across all the campuses. Let's stand up to our feet. And if God has been calling you to stop limping and start running. And you, you know, man, God's been calling me to do it, but I've been making all these excuses. Today's the day to let the fire of God burn that up. Here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. We don't do this all the time, but I'm gonna invite you to do wherever you are at all the campuses to step out of your seat and start moving forward. We're gonna have a moment of worship, but I wanna pray for you first. I believe that there's a prophetic moment right here. Come on, Hamilton Mill, move forward. Midtown, move forward. North Cobb, move forward. Come on. If you're online by yourself, take a step. Take an action step, whatever that may look like. Come on, this is the moment to say, God, I'm gonna stop making excuses. I've heard, I've heard the call, I felt the call to do something more. Whatever you would say is that more. And today's the day that that ball and chain that's holding me back, it falls off. Today's the day, as scripture would put it, the chaff gets burned up. I believe that, yeah, come in. Come on, come on, come on. I believe, I believe this. Listen, there's a prophetic anointing. Can I say that? Listen, if you're willing to say, I'm gonna take that first step. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And we're gonna spend a moment in worship, but I want, I wanna pray over you first across all of our campuses right now, God. God, you see the heart. Man looks at the outside, but you look at the heart. God, and you hear the heart cry that says, I was made for more. I was made for more. And God, we sense the call. We sense the call, whether it's a job thing, a family thing, a calling thing. God, to leave the shore, to step out into the unknown. Maybe it is to say, I'm actually good at art. <laughs> Maybe it's to say, I'm gonna take a step of obedience and start leading or start serving, or God has called me to be generous, but I've been stingy. Today is the day. We're saying, I'm gonna stop making excuses. And today is the day that the fire of the Lord will burn up all the chaff, all the things that are causing you to limp. Right now, I declare over your life, right now, a breaking on the spirit of offense is keeping you chained to the things of the past. That, 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 that whispering voice inside your ears that says, I'm a, I'm a product of abuse, therefore I'll never be able to. The people in my past have told me to be quiet, therefore I'm not going to. The people in the past said, I'm not good enough. My own heart says, I'm not good enough. The enemy says, I'm not good enough, so therefore I'm not going to. Right now, God, burn up. God, the whispering voice of the enemy. God, let the, let the clear clarion voice of the Holy Spirit lead us forward. Right now, Father, I pray an unlocking of the wisdom, the revelation of the calling of God 
upon our lives here at Victory. Come on, receive that. Just say, God, give me ears to hear as you're calling me forward and I will follow. God, give me a heart to obey and I will follow. And God, I speak this over us. God, I speak this over Midtown. I speak it over North Cobb. God, I speak it over Hamilton Mill. I speak it over online. I speak it over this space right here. God, that victory will be a family that runs in our purpose. And before you do a great work through us, which we all want, God, you first do a great work in us. And God, I pray that this would be a line in the sand moment of allowing you to do a great work in us. That you're on the other side of today, God, you begin doing a great work through us. In Jesus' name. So here's what I'm gonna do. Okay, to say exactly right where you are at all the campuses and right here. The band's gonna come out, lead us in like just a handful of minutes right here. But allow this, this is the name of the song, I Surrender. Okay, so allow this to be a surrender moment, whatever your excuses, whatever, whatever all that is. It's time to stop limping. It's time to start running. And it comes in this place of surrender and turning your heart to make it fully his. In Jesus' name, let's do it together, family. Amen.